The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, working together with him, then, we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I have listened to you and helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watching, hunger, by purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and in good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true as known as unknown, and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Peace be with you, the To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, will more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. And and as he said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So anytime that you hear at the end of one of Jesus' teachings, He who has ears to hear, let him hear you know that it's an important teaching. Not that any one of his teachings were unimportant, but he would bracket something that may be difficult to hear and understand, but very important with the expression, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you might have noticed that each Sunday we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And then all of a sudden, we go all the way back to the 16th Sunday of Matthew. We go out of order in our church lectionary. And the reason for this is because Pascha this year is as late as it can be. In other words, it's all the way into the first week of May. And it's in the first week of May that is the latest time the Orthodox Church can celebrate Pascha. And so it opens up more Sundays before the Triodion begins, with the Sunday of the Publican and the Pharisee. And so when you have those extra Sundays, the Church will add this passage. 
And so I just am saying this to you because I want you to hear what Jesus says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is an important teaching. And the fathers of the church said, Hey, when we have a late Pascha and we have more Sundays available to us, let's go all the way back to the 16th Sunday of Matthew and let's read this parable again. Because it's good for the people to hear it and apply it to their lives. So that's my introduction. Before I talk about the parable itself, in order for us to properly understand it, it's really important that we understand that God loves us. And that in loving us, He wants us to be able to partake in this great love that He has for us and to be able to love Him back in return. He wants us to be made in such a way that we are capable of love. And the only way that He could make us to be capable of love is to make us free. To have the freedom to choose. Because freedom is the one quality or characteristic that is absolutely necessary for us to be able to love. Because love can never be forced upon us. We cannot be compelled to love. Love must be freely entered into and freely chosen and freely accepted. And so with love comes a tremendous risk on the part of God. Because God can actually make us in such a way that we reject Him. God can make us in such a way that we not only reject God, but He can make us so that we reject ourselves and the people around us. We have a nature in the image of God and God has called us to be like Him. And only when we are on that path by our own choice in cooperation with God can we be truly and authentically human. In a fallen world, when you look around you without judging... We see people manifesting the fall because they are not being truly human. They are being less than God intended them to be. When Pontius Pilate had Jesus and he put him forward and he said, Behold the man. He didn't even know what he was saying. But the church knows. Jesus is the perfect man, the perfect human being, the prototype. And all of us are called to be like Him. And when we begin by His grace and cooperation, by the use of our free will, to be more and more like Jesus, then we become more and more truly ourselves. And that is exactly what this parable is about. The parable is about Jesus coming and in His cooperation with the Father and the Holy Spirit in creating us, He gives each of us uniquely, according to who we are and our ability, gifts. He gives us human gifts and spiritual gifts. 
Some of these might be intelligence. Some of them might be uh, the characteristics that we have that are oftentimes in the writings of the Apostle Paul enumerated. Some of them can be other things. The circumstances in which we're born. How many of us are born rich? How many of us are born middle class? How many of us are born poor? How we respond to these opportunities and circumstances and gifts is what this parable is all about. And he only uses for all of humanity, symbolically, three people. One who is given five talents, one who is given two, and one who is given one. Believe me, all three were created out of God's love. And it was God's desire that all three of them be with Him forever and ever and ever in His eternal kingdom to experience all the bliss and blessedness that God wants to bestow on every human being. It is an absolute dogma of the church that God desires that all come to the truth and be saved. That every single person be with Him in the kingdom. This is God's desire. But we have to choose it. And one of the ways that we choose it is to be a steward, a manager of the gifts that God has given us, and to, in a right relationship with Him, use those gifts to His glory and for our becoming ever increasingly fully and truly human. Now notice that the first man took his five talents and he doubled them throughout his life using his free will properly in relationship with God. The second person doubled his. The third person immediately went and buried his talent in the ground and he had an erroneous, wrong understanding of God and therefore throughout his life he had a wrong relationship with God. And this is why he buried his talent. He literally accuses God of reaping what He does not sow, of being a hard taskmaster. And therefore, His relationship with God was distorted. And this directly affected His humanity. It directly affected His ability to be a steward and a manager of the gifts that God had given Him. So when God comes back on Judgment Day, which is when He comes to reckon the accounts with these three servants... He says, good, faithful servant, you have done well. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Who wouldn't want to hear those words on the last day? Come, my faithful servant, you have done well. Come and enter into the joy that has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. We will say, yes, we have made it. There is no more judgment. There is no more fallenness. There is no more sin. There is no more distortion. There is no more pain or sorrow or suffering. No more tears of sadness. Every desire and need of a human being will be satiated in a never-ending way. What joy unspeakable. To the second servant, he says the same thing. You have done well, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will give you much, much more. Come and enter into the joy of the master. 
But to the third, he calls him a wretched servant. He points out that he has a misunderstanding and a wrong relationship with the master. And that for this reason, he did not become a good steward of all that God had given him. And he took the one talent that that wretched servant had and he gave it to the one who had ten. For he says, to him who has, more will be given. Why? It doesn't seem fair, does it? But the answer is because he is responsible. He can use these abundant talents in such a way that it makes him more uniquely human and gives glory to God and is for the building up and the edification of everyone around him. He is full of life, abundant life, and therefore he is a life giver to those around him. So it makes total sense And life isn't fair. This is why we have freedom. God made some poor so that they would reach out and help those who were, I should say it the other way, God made some rich so they could reach out and help those who have less. God made the poor so that they would be an opportunity for the rich to be a good steward of what wealth they've had in giving it away. Everyone has to respond with the freedom that God has given them. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, and it doesn't matter what age we are at, for St. John Chrysostom says in his famous homily at Pascha, that whether you come at the first hour as a good steward, or whether you come at the eleventh hour as a good steward, it doesn't matter. As long as you finish the race being authentically human, Using your free will to love and to be loved. To give and to use the gifts that God has given you. But I do want to say to the young people that you have even more of an opportunity to be a steward of the gifts that God has given you. You should be earnestly praying to God every day to better understand yourself. Obviously, school is one way for you to find out what you are good at. The other extracurricular activities that your parents allow you to participate in also show you where your talents are. And it is a beautiful thing for you to be able to exercise those, to use those, to nurture those, to develop them and multiply them. One of the things that I want you to understand is that the first servant and the second servant, they were investing their talents and they were doubling them. But they were also in the meantime experiencing such a joy, such a part of the abundance of life that God promises us. When we are exercising our talents and being good stewards, when we are ever increasingly becoming more authentically human, we are definitely happier people. This is how God has made us. We are living according to our nature. To live contrary to your nature brings such sorrow and suffering. It's so empty. And so what God is actually calling you to do is also what makes you truly happy and joyous. It is the blessed life. He is not calling you to do something that brings sorrow and suffering. This is the fallen way of life. So I want you, my dear brothers and sisters, to take your talents, 
whatever they are, and use them to the glory of God freely for the sake of your relationship with the Lord and for the sake of your relationships on the horizontal level. And then you will be hearing those words on the last day. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will make you the recipient of so much. Come and enter into the joy of the Master. And then all that awaits the saints and the righteous and the angelic powers in the kingdom will be yours. Not a bad deal. Amen.